Jennings and this is a Kiwi original. This week I'm joined by Phil Rasmussen from Kiwi Herb, a phytomed company. Phil is an experienced herbalist with more qualifications than letters in the alphabet. His decade as a pharmacist led him towards the magical world of plants, where phytomed have been making a range of herbal medicines for health practitioners since the late 90s. We also talk about the export barriers that New Zealand's absence of a world-class regulation base causes and why Phytomed works actively with achieving certifications that are actually recognised overseas. Listen to the story to hear why New Zealand might have an advantage in growing herbs and what Phil learned growing up on the east coast of the North Island of New Zealand. Phil is a absolute fountain of knowledge. I really enjoyed this chat with him. You'll learn a ton as well. Let's take a listen. What's exciting you at the moment within what you're learning about uh, herbs that probably you've you've understood for some time, but through research or through different ways of looking things, um, there's some areas that are, are quite exciting with what you're doing right now. Um, that that question uh, could have a very, very long answer, Ryan, because there are so many things to be excited about here in New Zealand right now um, when you are working in a company such as Phytomed. Because from day one, Phytomed has had a, a hugely uh, passionate belief in the quality of plants that grow in our country. Um, and the need and the ethical um, case and, and the obligation for New Zealand to become an exporter of value-added products made from New Zealand-growing plants. And of course, that's been a huge part of our history from day one. You know, we were exporting um, things from uh, sheep and cows to back to the, the homeland, back to the UK. But these days, it's plants that people want more than animal-based products. And um, more and more, particularly recently when we are testing New Zealand growing material and comparing it to material that might be grown in other countries, we're becoming more and more convinced that New Zealand does grow the best quality medicinal plants in the entire world. And therefore the business case for Phytomed and our Kiwi Herb brand um, and the ethical case and the economic case for New Zealand to invest more in this space has become really really large particularly with events in the last year or so what is it specifically about what we grow in new zealand our conditions that gives us an advantage uh, next to uh, herbs that may be grown elsewhere i think we're still learning about that and as with most things in good science there's no one answer to that. It's it's multiple, the, the reasons behind why we grow good stuff here. I think one of the, the most important ones is the fact that we're blessed with having a wide range of different microclimates throughout our country. There's not many places you can be lying on the beach in the morning and skiing in the afternoon. Um, and, you know, we're a small country. We were remote from the rest of the world for a long time in our evolutionary history. And, and we've been very fortunate that nature has enabled the evolution of a whole range of different plants and different microclimates. So that's one of the first factors. I think secondly, also there's growing evidence that it's that hole in the UV layer 
um, you know, the, the increased hole in the ozone layer, I should say, the increased exposure that New Zealand plants and humans have to UV that could well be a factor in encouraging plants to produce more uh, what we call secondary metabolites, which are their own natural defense compounds. They use them to protect themselves against damage from the sun. And fortunately, those same compounds that are defensive and useful to plant health happen to also be often very useful to human health. So those are two reasons, but there, there are probably a large number of others. Um, I mean, we've, we've put some human input into this, of course. We haven't just let nature do it all. And we are very fortunate in having some really clever horticultural scientists and, and scientists in general working in agriculture here in New Zealand. And we are blessed with some quite unique varieties of plants, aren't we? So you, you talk about the, the isolation of New Zealand and we're a, a country with a temperate climate with very significant regional variations. Uh, the, the two that uh, I was looking up on your website was the, the Kawakawa one, uh, which is also, I think, known as its Latin name is Macropiper excelsum. I hope I've got that right. Or commonly the, the New Zealand pepper tree. Uh, what does that plant enable when you turn it into medicine? Uh, what, what superpowers does that plant give to us humans? Phew. Well, um, Kawakawa, um, now known as Piper Excelsum, not Macropiper Excelsum, because those botanists like to uh, keep us on our toes and change the name <laughs> every few years. Um, and it is part of the, the pepper family, similar to Piper nigrum or ordinary black pepper. Um, it's actually been one of my favourite plants since Phytomed was founded, because as you say, Ryan, it is hugely medicinal. And you know what makes Kawakawa so special is, is again, a whole range of different factors um, and yet it depends really on where you grow it, how you harvest it, what part of the plant you use um, as, as to what it can be useful for. And, and those principles apply to all medicinal plants. Um, but Kawakawa probably, we know has a whole range of different varieties that grow in different locations in New Zealand. Um, similar to Manuka, we know that Manuka um, grown on the east coast of the North Island and Tairawhiti region has higher levels of triketones, which are um, antimicrobial compounds found particularly in the essential oil. Um, so Kawakawa, we need to do research on it to optimize its agronomy, which is the science of uh, quality and, and ensuring that the phytochemistry, the, the goodies in, in Kawakawa leaf or Kawakawa fruit, uh, or even Kawakawa root um, that we might use as medicine uh, are optimal. And, and there's a lot we don't know, but, um, that's something that we are very interested in here at Phytomed. But traditionally, kawakawa was, of course, used widely for a whole range of different things. It's uh, pretty easy to get hold of it in the New Zealand bush. Um, it's great sometimes for um, inflammatory skin conditions, uh, bee stings, mozzie bites. Um, topically, you can use it for a whole range of different things. And internally, you can drink it and, and take products made out of it, and it can be really, really helpful for digestive problems in particular, um, overindulgence after the festive season, for instance. <laughs> um, it, it's got a whole plethora of, of potential uses. So it's, it sounds like there's lots of different ways you could approach this from a research perspective because of you've got the root, the plant, the fruit, and then you've got the regional variations. There's you know a three by two matrix there of, of six different potential answers just on the one particular plant. How do you, as, as Phytomed, prioritise what 
what you want to get from research across you know the, the variations that uh, nature provides us yeah well that that is a really challenging issue for phytomed because we we don't only um, produce extracts made from new zealand native plants um, and and sell them under our kiwi range and sell them to practitioners in new zealand and australia um, but we were the first company to do so um, and and there are a large number of them and there's a lot of unknowns but then we also produce about 200 individual herbal extracts that are non-native New Zealand plants, um, better known things such as echinacea or ginseng, um, and a lot of them are imported, some of them are grown locally, um, and even with most of them, there are many, many unknowns in terms of the science and the optimal quality. Um, and I guess a, a bit of an analogy is, is wheat or even manuka in more recent times in New Zealand because despite the, the huge demand for manuka oil and manuka honey in global markets in recent years um, and a lot of um, research money and, and commercial investment gone into uh, agronomy studies, how to, how to grow it and, and how to grow it commercially, how to harvest it economically and, and optimise the quality. Um, what Monica does in a laboratory or in a nursery at plant and food research um, is often very different to what it will do when it's planted out in nature. And that's just one plant. And, and I think a, a sense check reminder is the fact that it took humans many, many generations to know how to cultivate plants such as wheat and rice. So if we think we can um, control nature and learn all about how to, how to grow and optimise the quality of any individual plant that, that is still very, very new to our awareness here in New Zealand, in a hurry, we're, we're dreaming. Um, we need research funding. We need resource. We need research funding. And, and we definitely need a strategy, I guess, would be the, the key three answers to your original question, Ryan. But fortunately, with Phytomed, we have a really, really good team of staff. We have some uh, well-trained technical people who have got degrees in, in pharmacology and food science. Um, and we do have good relationships with some research providers. And we have a very, very passionate team of people who are passionate about not only plant-based herbal medicine, but also having the raw materials, the plants themselves grown here in our own country, New Zealand. Now, on that discovery of, of what plants could do, you've been in this for some time and, and you did mention there about Manuka honey and the various, the variant properties it has on the east coast which is the area you grow up in wasn't it and around yes, Gisborne that's right. and Tokumaru yep. Bay uh, yep. what originally got you into this um, you know being passionate about what plants could provide as medicine like what what was happening mm. on the east coast and what did you discover um, through you know your early um, pathway into uh, medicine I don't really know all the answers to that, but um, you know, as a child, I certainly spent a lot of time with surrounded by plants, and I used to love going into the bush to Nahere uh, with my father, who was a king tramper, um, and and that stayed with me right throughout my life. And in fact, having gone back to Gisborne recently on holiday and and gone into um, Wahiriri Domain, which is just out of Gisborne, not far from where Rhythm and Vines is held, and walked in the bush there, it, it really reminded me that that whole region um, used to be really, really uh, rich in, in native plant life, and, and there are still pockets of it there now. And it's very pleasing to see further up the coast, Manuka is regenerating well, and, and the second generation native plants are coming away now as well. 
Um, so I guess what, what got me into um, my passion for native plants and, and probably plants in general, um, a whole range of reasons. Um, but the, the east coast of New Zealand, Tai Rafferty, um, has really experienced quite a, a, a drop in its socio-economic status and, and uh, employment levels in the last 20, 30 years, possibly since New Zealand um, started the journey to to uh, well, Britain joining the EU. In fact, you know, it was a, was a real uh, kick in the guts for a lot of farmers on the East Coast at the time. And we've had forestry, we've had a little bit of tourism, we've had, uh, you know, other industries since, but it's never quite got back to the, the uh, you know, the vibrant communities that it used mm -hmm. to be in many ways. And so to me, and this is a global thing, not, not just for the East Coast, this applies to New Zealand versus New Zealand and the world. And, and I think COVID in the last year has reminded us that um, drugs don't have all the answers. They they don't have all the answers. And, and increasingly people are realizing that we've, I think, become a little bit too dependent on drug-based medicine. And we've forgotten that often nature and things that grow in our own backyard can help us as well. They have many, many answers, particularly with preventative healthcare. And, um, I think it's realising that, that plants grow really, really well in our country, not just native plants, but noxious weeds such as privet and wandering Jew and uh, Chinese um, honeysuckle, Japanese honeysuckle. Um, they're all around the East Coast, some of these things, and um, we should be utilising them as medicines. And New Zealand needs to employ people more. It needs to uh, add value to what are the exports. And, and yet we grow the best plants in the world. And there's a huge opportunity there because the world is crying out more and more for clean, green products, um, and particularly those that are grown certified organically. And right now, um, due to a whole range of reasons, New Zealand is, is really appealing to a lot of other countries overseas. So going back to your original question, Ryan, I think we're in a very, very good position as a country right now to really start researching more about our native plants and, and other plants that grow here and, and adding value to them and exporting them to bring in some, some income so that we can help pay for all those uh, imports that we also are very dependent on. I completely agree with uh, what you were saying there around the East Coast. I grew up in Hawke's Bay and remember quite well uh, when the Fokker Freezing Works shut down, I think it was in 87 or 88, and that was the lifeblood for that regional economy because of the the meat that got shipped at once it got uh, cut from carcass and exported. And uh, recovering some of our regional areas requires investment in new industries and it's kind of almost ironic that one of the new industries could be plants when it's actually one of the oldest medicinal things. It, you know, it's it started way before um, anything to do with pharmaceutical drugs, right? It's it's the original of the original. Um, isn't there some barriers though, Phil, in terms of regulation and exporting? Uh, some government uh, things that reduce the ability for us to be seen um, as exporting plant medicine per se? Phew, um, I could talk for hours about that. <laughs> um, I mean, as you may know, Ryan, I've, I've been a huge advocate for uh, better regulations in New Zealand for the natural health product industry uh, since I got involved in the industry more than 25 years ago, because you need regulations that are globally recognised if you want to create a vibrant and lucrative export-based industry. 
And that applies to any industry sector. I mean, the dairy industry, the beef industry, we wouldn't at the forestry industry, the kiwi fruit industry, the regs around each of those are really good and world-class, okay? So if we think we um, can export New Zealand high quality, premium quality and premium price, which is what they need to be in order to, to pay living wages to, to New Zealanders and, and to really turn our economy around. Um, if we think we can uh, do that without good regs, we're dreaming. We need regs that are internationally recognised. So um, it's been a little bit of political football for many years, this subject, um, due to all sorts of reasons that I, I don't really want to go into much today. But um, I think with the, the current government, though, it is looking like they're taking it much more seriously, the need to introduce appropriate regulations around natural health products. But it is a minefield. Um, and, um, you know, terminology doesn't help. Um, some people call them dietary supplements. That's currently how many of them are regulated here in New Zealand. Over the ditch in Australia, they're regulated as medicines and therefore they're able to make therapeutic claims on the packaging. You're able to state that this is good for sleep or this is good for stress. Um, you can't do that legally in New Zealand because we don't have world-class regulations. Um, but the way around that for serious companies and, and companies such as Phytomed and Kiwiut has been to uh, embrace overseas regulators from day one. And that's why we do work actively with the TGA and we have gone down the route of achieving good manufacturing practice or GMP certification for the company. That was always one of the initial objectives to enable us to export because without that, um, which is not compulsory still here in New Zealand, you can't export. Um, products and, and make therapeutic claims. So I think, you know, the government will get there, hopefully in this term. Um, we're, we're feeling quite optimistic. Uh, the industry body, Natural Health Products New Zealand, that I'm a founding member of the board of, uh, we are making good progress in our negotiations with the government. And I think um, having a Labour majority at the moment will also help facilitate that. New Zealand-made Kiwi trademark is relied upon by over 1,500 New Zealand businesses to gain a market origin advantage in the markets they operate, both domestically and internationally. Check to see if the good, service or software that you make is eligible at buynz.org.nz. You're not the only industry, as you say, that is driven by regulation and, and standards and can take a, a lead from some of the international ones. I was talking to uh, Mark Jung, who's the global uh, security general manager for Gallagher, who are uh, you know, electric fence famous, but are now doing uh, data center and government installation uh, security systems. Now, those systems are based on US regulation around compliance for security or UK regulation around security for compliance. So those regulations drive how they design their solutions. And they know if they're compliant, they can sell into those markets. And so it only seems to make sense for New Zealand if we have either a regulation that we decide is similar to what we want to have here as something we could meet, then it could certainly open up those export markets. And it's working for Gallagher. He mentioned some pretty amazing numbers in the you know um, tens of millions to a hundred plus million in, in five years of growth. And uh, wouldn't that be great if we could have that um, for plant medicine because operators like yourself who've been 
operating at this high level would have some recognition to to how much investment goes into the product. You'd be able to differentiate yourself not just in the domestic market, but yeah. internationally. And until then, how do you grow the market? How do you get your products into Australia or China or other markets? Hmm. Well. I mean, Phytomed, as I said, we've we've embraced overseas regulatory requirements from day one, and um, not just Australia, but also um, with Europe, we went down the pathway of having a couple of our Kiwi products licensed by the EU, um, and that was many, many years ago. And and I think the the European regulations are probably the toughest in the world. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of paperwork, a whole lot of uh, stability testing, a whole lot of product quality issues, and um, that need to be addressed. It, it took a few years, it's serious stuff, but um, that's what's required to get a herbal medicine on the on the shelf in, in Europe. Um, but Australia is quite similar, and yet Australia is, I think, a more evolved market. I mean, Aussies like Kiwis are pretty aware with natural health, um, because we've had this user-pays approach to health for a long time, and, and I do believe we've had some really good quality companies come out of here in, in Australasia in recent years, not just New Zealand, but also Australia. And, you know, people who, who, who found companies, you understand the basic principles of, of dose and quality. Um, these things uh, might sound really obvious to some people, but if you're going to take a, a herbal medicine with 20 different ingredients in it, all of them in very small sub-therapeutic quantities, then you have to ask, what's the point? You know, is this, is this a food? Is it going to be a medicine? Um, so, yeah, we're very, very lucky um, that from day one, we've had a strategy of exporting, uh, you know, to, to be in the natural health products, um, which is also the pharmaceutical space. Um, and to help New Zealand's economy, you need to think beyond our small 5 million population. You need to export. And that's where the opportunities are, like, like everything else, like all our food and beverage industries and some of which you've talked about. Um, and it is really, really encouraging to see that people are gradually moving to plants in New Zealand. Even, even the cow cockies in Waikato, you, you drive through there now and you see they're starting to grow maize and squash and, you know, they're getting into the sort of things that, um, as you say, we used to be much more um, aware of their importance to our health years ago, but that's what the world requires. That's what we have to produce. Has it been quite an illuminating journey recently when you've seen some of these things that may have been quite edge case 20 years ago become very normalised mainstream? I mean, your your CEO, uh, Mark Callaghan, is you know, ex-FMCG, right? That's, that's core mainstream uh, marketplace. Uh, what, what has it meant for you to be have been on this journey for so long and to have some of your you know early ideas validated at a at a national level? Yeah, it's quite interesting, as you say, because I, I remember back in two thousand and three, I think it was Time Magazine came and interviewed me because they did a piece on New Zealand's future in relation to biotechnology versus natural health products because we we were kind of at a crossroads. Um, at the time, should we go down the, the GM, you know, the genetic modification route and, and um, subtle these field trials and really get into biotech? That was seen as a sexy industry at the time. Or should we be going more down the natural health products route? And there was a lot of misunderstanding about the issues at the time um, across all sectors of society and government, understandably. Um, and yet I'm pleased to say that now it's not so. You know, um, people are... 
there's a lot of interest in companies such as us. There's a lot of demand from overseas and, you know, there's a lot more investment interest. There's a lot more consumer interest. People, particularly in the last year, are recognising that, um, you know, what grows and, and, and what is a plant-based medicine, if you take it in the right dose and the right quality, um, you often don't need to go to pharmaceuticals. Um, so it's the adverse events of pharmaceuticals. It's the fact that there's been research showing that in some cases they're not always that great for you, such as HRT um, and antibiotic overuse, the emerging nightmare of antibiotic resistance. Um, and of course, the biggest factor I think that's really contributed to that um, paradigm change in how people view uh, my industry has been climate change. And, you know, the, it is becoming increasingly difficult to source a lot of things, food for humans, and, and including herbal medicines, plant, plant medicines, which again means the business case to having them grown locally has really surged, particularly in the last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's an astute comment, but, I, you know, I could, I could rant about all sorts of experiences with people who, who used to be sceptics and cynics. And, and as you say, Mark came from an FEMCG company, you know, selling products with a lot of sugar, and, and yet he's now a passionate, you know, leader here at Phytomet. Um, and that, that applies across many sectors of, of government and society and business in New Zealand. And so we are in the sweet spot right now. That's great to hear. And I, I was... Um I was actually reading a couple of comments. There was a, a video you did, I think, for, for Kiwi Bank, and there were some comments below um, about, which is talking about the efficacy of the products. And I think this is uh, when you used to um, work directly with people. One of the ones was, I love Phil Rasmussen. He's one of the most amazing herbalists anyone could ever hope to meet. Or I had Phil personally as a practitioner saved my life. Uh, do you miss the the direct working with patients um, now that you're you're working actually on the the plant medicine? Yeah, in, in fact, I've never stopped working with patients. Um, albeit, I do a whole lot less now than I used to. Um, but yeah, that that is a very very rewarding part of of my experience and being involved with the herbal medicine. Um, and I'm still involved in the uh, NZ Association of Medical Herbalists because I think that practitioner prescribed herbal medicine, which is a big part of the, the customers and, and the product types that Phytomed produces, um, is still important. And that also needs more regulatory attention. Um, it's not just the products themselves, it's, it's the fact that people who have spent four years training, uh, full-time training to be a really good naturopath or medical herbalist, know a lot more um, than you know somebody just selling stuff online and if you've got a serious ailment um, you know such as clinical depression or a serious autoimmune disease or cancer you should go and consult a medical herbalist as opposed to self-medicating over the counter you do that with drugs why shouldn't you do it with plant-based medicines so i'm still a, a big advocate for that and and um, therefore I, I don't but but yes i do miss the clinical experience that that is that is really rewarding. Um, and in fact, that's, that's a good way to learn about plants as well. That's where I've learned as much as, you know, the research that is coming out every day um, and the clinical trials on, on most of the plants we use, but it's also using them in practice on real people. You, you can't beat that. Is there anything that you see with the, the network of practitioners within uh, the herbalist space that, 
that makes one stand out? So, you know, if you wanted to become a herbalist, are there any particular attitudes or, or skills or things that, that makes a great herbalist? I think as with all health professions, as with being a good pharmacist or nurse or doctor or physiotherapist, um, you know, uh, compassion, um, organisational sense, uh, scientific knowledge, um, uh, not being afraid of the sight of blood, <laughs> all sorts of things. Um, but I guess because of the regulatory environment and because, as you said, you know, 10, 15 years ago and, and even to a degree now, medical herbalists are sometimes regarded a little bit as, as quacks by some people, even though our form of medicine has been around uh, a whole lot more than drug-based medicine um, and nature and tradition strongly validates how we work. Um, we're still seen by a section of society sometimes as being a bit quackery. So I guess another requirement to be a successful medical herbalist and be able to pay your bills is to uh, be strong in the face of uh, you know an, an environment that sometimes isn't that conducive and to be assertive as well as uh, knowledgeable and evidence-based. I think that's a really interesting point because the it's natural uh, plant medicine isn't the only space that it's uh, had that kind of a brand issue. I mean, cannabis has had the same thing. And yet medicinal cannabis now is seen as an issue that's at least worthy of a referendum. And, you know, I certainly would like to see um, more focus put on plant medicine for the economic reasons, but also for the health reasons. You know, we've got an aging population around the world. Uh, those people deserve great uh, therapeutics, just like any uh, one of any age should. And if plants can play a part in that, that don't have the same side effects, like what you said with hormone replacement therapy, then that can only be a good thing, right? But regulation yep. really is a key to that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think some of the issues you just mentioned um, are going to only become more prominent in New Zealand's future as they are um, in the in the brief of governments the world over, because we do have aging populations. Um, and, you know, New Zealand's not increasing the retirement age as yet, but uh, there is growing pressure on agencies such as Pharmac uh, to fund drugs. And, and, you know, a lot of drugs are very, very expensive and they're just not available to people who, who probably could benefit from them. Um, so the ethical dilemma of pharmacoeconomics, who gets what, who can afford to pay for what, um, is going to only become more and more prominent in New Zealand's future with aging populations. Combined with the fact that the evidence base in support of a lot of herbal medicines actually working for certain things and doing what traditionally they were used for and being very, very cost effective, not to mention their, their greater benefit to the environment than, than you know, producing so many cow farts um, and, and economic development and, and you know, meaningful employment by people in rural regions. Um, all those benefits, as well as the, the economic case, are just going to continue to increase, hopefully, throughout the rest of my lifetime. Phil, we've covered a, a lot of ground in a, a very short space of time, as I knew we would with this chat. You're an absolute master in this area, and uh, it's fantastic to, to listen to you speak on this topic. Is there any particular question or, or subject or area that I should have asked you about and I haven't? Uh, giving you the, the time to cover. I mean, I could rant for hours, uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, the, the, the thing that I hope a lot of New Zealanders are thinking a lot more about, um, 
due to events of the last year globally and, and the lockdowns that we've all been through is um, don't turn your back on nature. Don't forget what is in your backyard um, and is readily accessible to you um, and might in fact be better for you than, than something else that you may have been pursuing in your life. And these things are really, really important. I think a lot of us are reflecting more on our own wellness. Um, we're pursuing more natural um, health, health solutions. Uh, but also, if you're a shopper, if you're out there purchasing, um, it is really, really important, I think, to try and buy local, to try and support uh, companies who are, are actually ethically and morally and economically in, in the right place, which is what I feel we are at the moment, because this is a real big global big pharma industry. I have to say it and you know just because um, it's plant-based and it's only getting popular again in, in Western countries in recent years um, there were some very very big players so ask the questions um, and, and think about where your medicines come from and as a result of that where the raw materials come from because you know this industry there's a lot of things that aren't particularly ethical or right and not only in the pharmaceutical industry so you know where your herbs come from where they're grown and therefore the quality the food miles um, and and the people they employ and the economic benefits directly and indirectly really really important things that i i would encourage people to just try and pause and consider before you make a purchasing decision that certainly happened to me in december i uh, had a, a cough in my throat and then actually lost my voice for a couple of days i had to postpone a, a couple of the akiri original recordings and when I was going through the supermarket, I looked for the kiwi herb, the echinacea. There's a throat spray and there's a, um, it's in a, like a squeeze bottle. Because I'm thinking that's quite a delicate organ, the, you know, the throat and the larynx. And you know, putting something on there, I want to make sure that however that's been manufactured has been to high standards. And I know, you know because I've been in the fortunate position to have gone through your manufacturing plant, I, I know the care and attention and detail that you go to to make those very high potents and ingredients but not everyone gets to to see that but um, I think that's a great great point you know do your research on where you're getting your plant medicine from yeah yeah I agree and you know our lung care spray um, which is similar to that which is made completely out of New Zealand grown organic herbs um, the Australian bushfires a year ago we did shift a lot at that time going back to you know the earlier point you made about a lot of water under the bridge since the Australian bushfires a year ago um, and I think with climate change, we're going to see more and more demand for, for that product and similar things. And, and these are all herbs that grow really, really well here in New Zealand, you know, and they don't take years to grow. And so that's just one product that we can, we can multiply that and apply it to so many other products for common um, health needs that are relevant to living in the 21st century. And, and that's, that's what's really, really exciting about um, the journey that Phytomed is on big opportunity and uh, thank you very much Phil for leading on this issue for Fighter Mahead uh, and for the Kiwi Herb brand really appreciate your time today on the, the podcast and on the show and looking forward to getting it out to the New Zealand made fans uh, here and some of those international markets um, so yeah appreciate your time cool thanks thanks Ryan nice to talk to you you're welcome That's it for another episode of A Kiwi Original. Remember to subscribe on the podcast or on YouTube 
to receive the next episode. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you think could benefit. See you next time. One of the big things we had right from the start was we're going to push that it's New Zealand made. New Zealand made? carries a lot of weight outside New Zealand. People don't realize that. Well, you're by New Zealand and uh, we were really motivated by your professionalism at the outset when we first contacted you and that gave us the confidence to reach out to the rest of the New Zealand community to support this. We'll get two, three, four, five inquiries every day from people and their only question is, are your products made in New Zealand? They don't want to know anything else. We knew there was demand in the market for a New Zealand-made product, firstly, a natural New Zealand-made product. We have got New Zealand-made. That was the first thing I signed up to. I was really proud of that. And um, you were very welcoming, so thank you, Ron. I think it's very, very important to sell in New Zealand as a New Zealand-made product. Originally, we were having to import components from overseas. It wasn't until we shifted to our carbon fiber model that we were able to say that the product was made in New Zealand. And that was a huge, it was sort of a big goal for me. I wanted to have complete control over the manufacturing of it. Definitely, it's something that we've been belonged to right from the beginning. And it just put trust, especially New Zealanders, into our product. We've noticed recently, people have become so much more discerning about, they will upfront and say to you, is it really made here? And not have to rely on other countries and important components, especially in times like these, I'd, I'd, be, I'd have no stock. Being able to front up to that and show your logo and say, well, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that you have to have a license to show that logo. We have also New Zealand made on some of the other brands selling over overseas. And it's something that people are looking for. The little triangle has been a part of our brand for a long time. Is that a, an investment or is it a cost? You know, can, we, can we spend it given what's going on? Uh, no, it's actually good value for us. Yeah, we, we are a Kiwi company, we are proudly Kiwi. It instantly had a, a fruitful conversation without any dancing around or holding back or everything came out. And that was that was part of the, how, why it was so invaluable. And so the best way to do that is to, to join the Binance and May campaign, right? So. I think you will see on any of my social media, something like, yeah, I put the Binance in a May logo. I'm classed on everything I can pass it on. But just being able to prove to people that it is New Zealand made and that we've got a story, it's great. You know, pretty proud to be able to do that.